Ron and Anian. Certain domestic car manufacturers, parts prices are falling in line or are more realistic, maybe. And some of the imports are just crazy out of their out of sight. I don't get it. Yeah, $900 drive shaft. Remember the days when you could just change a U-joint? The U-joint was 20 bucks. No more. The Car Doctor. If David Wayans leaves Lethal Weapon, you and I are going to Hollywood. We're going to call it the Car Doctor and Tony Show. We'll be like a crime-fighting duo. We solve crimes and fix cars all across America. Okay. And Tom just sort of tags along and does nothing. Not a problem. Sort of like now. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, there's no need to fear. Ron and Anian is here. Here's Ronnie. <laughs> it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome, Ron and Anian, the car doctor. He gets me every week with these folks. How are you today? I hope you're all doing well. I'm here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls, answer your questions, whatever's bugging you about your car. Keep in mind the best ways to get in charge and to get in contact with the car doctor is to take charge and give us a call at 855-560-9900. That's the car doctor's 24-7 phone number. And you can do that you know, during live show hours. We're live out on the network. We go out 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday afternoons. But you might be hearing us on Sunday. You might be hearing us in the middle of the week. You might be podcasting and picking this show up at, you know, whatever time the electronics and the technology of the world today allows you to do so. But 855-560-9900 is the number. Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, continental United States. I guess I have to say that now uh, with going around the globe like we are. You can uh, call that number and uh, we can talk to you about your car problem, whatever it just might be. Busy week at the shop. We had a lot of things going on that I could probably touch on. And I also want to talk a little bit about there's uh, some interesting stuff out of the Washington Post today about Hyundai and Kia uh, being petitioned to recall almost 3 million vehicles, 2.9 million vehicles. And uh, um, an article came into us, and I failed to do this last week, from the folks over at Goitus Capital, uh, Sarah Gilner reporting about GM topping Tesla in the ranking of automated driving systems. And we'll talk about that a little bit this hour or next. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open, and let's go over and talk to Mike and Danellen, who wants to make some comments about Hondas. Mike, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon, Ron. Always good to talk to you, sir. Yes, sir. What's cooking? Uh, um, I was reading something yesterday on uh, one of the articles that I always peruse, and they talked about the nineteen, was well, no twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen Honda CRVs having a problem with fuel getting into the oil, and they are recalling those. Um, it hasn't been generally announced, but they are working on that and trying to fix it with the 19 models. Have you ever heard about this before? The thing that I've heard about is that they're having issues with ring seal, meaning piston rings right. aren't right. Piston rings aren't aren't doing the job they're supposed to, and they're allowing fuel to wash down and contaminate the oil. You, you know, my. No, I don't know if this. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say. Go ahead. Finish your point. I don't know whether this is the turbo 1.5 motor or the 2.4 engine. They did not specify, but I would imagine that it's the turbo motor that they're having problems with. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that one either. I think what it does show, though, is that in the search for 
perfection as car companies are striving for today. And right. Honda's taken some good leaps and bounds. They make a good product, but they have their issues too. Everything has its fault, and I and I say that all the time. I don't think there's any one car out there that's perfect. It just can't be. I I, I think the well, technology. Well, as you it. illustrated, the Hyundai and and Kia are recalling almost three million cars. Right. So the once fabled excellent car has not been proven bulletproof. No, it hasn't. And I, I think part of that problem becomes because we expect so much, we demand so much as a, as a motoring public. We just, you know, and we get we get upset when car companies give us lemons, if it were. And I'm not saying the Hondas are lemons. Uh, I think Honda makes no. a good car. It's, you know, my problem with Honda as a company is they make a good car, and they, to me, I feel like they rub your nose in it a little bit. They're, they're well, as you know, I, I, I don't drive, but I, I keep abreast of the news, and I, uh, I really enjoy what you do here, and you bring what is good for the public to know to their attention, which a lot of people hide behind. They favor one brand over another, and I figure you're a, uh, you know, you hit the ball out of the park every week. Well, thanks, Mike. I, I try. You know, I... I, I, I'm here not to promote any one company. Listen, I call them like I see them. I'm sort of like the umpire of automobiles. Maybe that's what I should be, the, the umpire. The, the, <laughs> the, like the blind umpire, the, right? Well, the car umpire, okay? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I see. I think every car out you. there has its faults. I, I just think it's a matter of getting to the right guy to resolve it, to understand it. I remember, and, and you know, part of the complication is the technology, and the other side of it is it's people's dedication, Oh, probably three years ago on the show, we had a caller that had a problem with his brand new, at the time, Cadillac. Every time he ran the air conditioning, it left a white stain on the driveway. And, you know, when, right. when, the, when the water dripped out of the evaporator. And the dealer couldn't resolve it for them. They changed the evaporator. They went through and did a couple of things. So I guess, you know, I'm, I'm compelled. I want to know why something does what it does. I want to know how it works. I want to know why it does what it does. I called up a friend of mine, Ken Wasmer. Ken was a mid-level engineer for General Motors at the time. He's since retired. Right. We went to high school together. And I said, Ken, I said, here's the deal. And I told him the whole story. And he said, well, that's, and he was with Chevrolet. He said, you know, that's just strange. He said, there's got to be a reason. Kenny and I were car guys in high school together. And, he, you know, he's got the bug like me. He called over to the boys at Cadillac and he said, "Hey, here's the deal. I've got a, you know, he's I've got a I've got a guy who does a national radio show. We've got this late model whatever it is, 2013-14 Cadillac. I forget the model at the point. And this is what it's doing." Initiated an inside-out GM search. GM went through the whole process, looked to see, okay, you know, where was this car built? Who built it? And started going back and looking at the vendors. <coughs> Turns out that this evaporator when they soldered and put it together, they used the wrong type of solder. Whoa! And it was leaving it was leaving stains in the um, uh, in the uh, driveway whenever whenever the water would drip out. And um, wow. that ended up you know they ended up sending uh, you know a, a special evaporator out. They issued a bulletin. They you know replaced any that came along. But look at the effort. That General Motors went through to make that right. It was a simple mistake on the part of the vendor. That and once it was brought to their attention, to that the, the, you're saying to me that the 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 uh, the fluid that was in the condenser 
was causing a reaction with the solder? Yes, that's. I believe that was the explanation I got, or that it was the wrong solder, and it was incorrect such that the solder reacted with the water and created an acid, and that was the stain in the driveway. But it, it's, it, it had to do with and started with the type of solder that the evaporator was, was put together with. And Whoa. that just, you know, I, I, I never forgot that. Like, I don't forget a lot of things when it comes to the cars. I look at the dedication and the skill set involved to bring such a complicated product to market. Look at Honda's effort. They'll get to the bottom of it. They'll figure it out. They're not going to make everybody happy because somebody's going to be just out of warranty, and somehow somebody's going to fall through the cracks. You just know they are. But it's a complicated well, listen, product. Still, this, despite our being technically advanced, we still have situations like the self-exploding Pinto, the Corvair, the Citation, but it's all different today. Yeah, and, you know, Mike, you can't even talk about those cars. Those cars, that's a, you know, that's a lifetime ago. I was. I, was, I know that, but I, I mean. I, but I get your point. Listen, we, 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 we can live in the past and look at what we did, but there's a saying in the car business, don't tell me where you've been, tell me where you're going. I was reading an article online this morning about a 19, let me get this right, 1972 Plymouth Barracuda that was found in a barn in upstate New York. It's on eBay. I think it's on eBay right now. Mm -hmm. It's been sitting in the barn for 30 years, and the owner says the best offer over 7000 takes it. It needs interior. It needs tires. It needs restoration. And it's only a 318. And I sat right. there and I said, you know, look at the fascination with something that's been sitting 30 years. And to me, it's the wrong car. It's, it's a 318 if it was a 440, if it was a Hemi, obviously. But, you know, will somebody... Or even a 340. Yeah, but will somebody go and grab that car? I don't know. My point no. is... Well, somebody will. Somebody will. You know, or... or Maybe the, Jay or, Leno. Or the owner, said, the owner said, if nobody buys it, I'm going to let it sit in the barn another 30 years, which I, I, I think is stupid on his <laughs> part. Uh, you, you know what? All these old cars that everybody... We're a nation of hoarders. We're a nation of automotive hoarders. Ooh, I've got, you know, I've got... I know a guy who's got nine, nine or ten... 409 Chevy Motors. Oof. Won't give him up. He's 75 years old. What are you going to do with these? I'm going to find a car and put them in each one. Yeah, okay. Good. At 75. All right? I, I got news for you. Listen, when you die, your kids are going to take them and scrap them because that's all they're worth at this point. They've been sitting for 30 years. And, you know... Well, just to show you, and, uh, and I'll make this the last point because I know you got other callers... When you when you went out and bought a Jag XK150, which I told you I used to work on, uh, my 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 dad and I used to work on it. That car was six thousand dollars brand new. If you find one in good shape today, with the motor that was in our car, I just witnessed one out on one of the lists for three hundred grand. Right. Well, crazy, and, and that's not to say that you can't make some good money buying the right car. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Listen, if we get into yep. the time machine and go back and buy a, a, a series of 10 cars, and you buy the right 10 cars and bring them forward, but, you know, Mike, we've got a better chance of wishing and becoming 18 again, and I don't think that's going to happen either in this lifetime. <laughs> so, as always, my friend, a good time to talk to you, and uh, you have a good Saturday afternoon and the rest of the week. All right, sir? I appreciate it. You too, sir. Take good care. I'm Arnon Anning, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this.
Little GTO, you really look in Three deuces and a four speed. Need advice on how to maintain that classic GTO? Ron is the guy. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Larry in Florida. Larry, how are you doing down there in Florida? Are you safe? Uh, we are here in St. Augustine. I have some friends and uh, a friend in Mexico Beach. And uh, uh, surprisingly, their house is still there. It's an old block house from 1950 right across from the Gulf. And they said it's still there, but it's just heartbreaking to yeah. Our prayers, our just prayers look to at Florida. Those pictures. Yeah, it's just, yes. it's tough. Yes. It's really tough. Um, yeah, so we count, we, we count right. our blessings. We really do. How can I help you, my friend? Sure do. A uh, couple things. Uh, first is uh, I have an intermittent backup camera issue. Uh, sometimes it works beautifully, and other times it's just all staticky. Uh, no rhyme or reason that I can figure out. Um, anybody do any diagnostics to it, or or uh, you know? It just it just no, happens, I, and nobody's really looked at it. So the, the issue here becomes: Do you ever wonder how they make it so that when you go into reverse, that's when the camera turns on? Nope, never wondered about okay. that. Okay, well, because otherwise, yeah, it would be kind of neat. You could turn the camera on and look at the guy behind you tailgating you. So it would be, uh, you know, maybe like a spy car. So what happens is when you put the car in reverse, the body computer sends a twelve volt signal out to the camera, and that's what powers the camera up. That's the moment the camera powers up. So the the one thing we always check, or the one the, the first thing to check, in my opinion, is to go to the camera and you're going to take a voltmeter and tap into that and look to see do you have 12 volts when you go into reverse when the problem happens. In your case, you can't really do that because it's intermittent, right? Correct. So here's where we're going to use my old 194 side marker bulb trick, the one I always talk about. You have to have a mechanic wire into that 12-volt feed to the to the uh, camera, which should be terminal 6. It's a pink wire coming out of the uh, BCM feeding back to the camera. And just wire in a side marker bulb. Hang it on the inside of the truck so that when you put it in reverse, you can look in your rearview mirror. Is the camera on? Yeah, the bulb is lit. If the bulb is lit and the camera's not on, then at least we've got a direction. We know we, we know it's getting signal. Why isn't the camera powering up? Now, it might be that the camera's not powering up because the ground, which is Terminal 5, the black-white wire at the camera, has got a bad ground. Heck, we could put the bulb across 5 and 6. Fire it up, bulb lights up. If the bulb lights up, then we've either got a bad camera or a problem in the radio display. But at, at, at least we've got a direction. The majority of the times... All right. When the camera just outright fails, it's a camera. All right. On a, on a percentage basis, eighty okay. percent of the time it's a camera failure, uh, barring the you know the person didn't wipe the lens clean, and we forget that that's actually a camera lens. You know, there's schmutz on the lens. Schmutz being an industry technical term. You know that, that that's mm -hmm. affecting vision. Um, so you know, just keep that in when mind. When I'm getting a fuzzy. When I'm getting a fuzzy, excuse me for interrupting, mm -hmm. when I'm getting a fuzzy display, I still hear the signal like I'm getting close to something. Okay, so... Does that so, make sense? Uh, yeah, so it's still, it's still able to detect the sensors are working, which is a different part of the system. Those are the sensors in the okay. bumper, the little round, you know, that's the, that's the park assist, and um, that's the, I forget what the actual, I, I know Ford is Bliss, I forget what GM's acronym is for it. Everybody's got a different 
you know, we're going to call it sure. this this week. Um, I'd like to call it the I can't turn my head and neck and therefore I'm blinded, so I have to back up based on sensor system. But, um, you know, we don't do that. Uh, but, yeah, let's yeah. let's start with wiring it up like a, a very simple, you know, go to your local auto parts store, sure. and, uh, some side marker bulbs or some kind of a bulb and socket, and do I have power to the camera? If I've got power to the camera, that tells oh. me half the circuit's working. Awesome. Uh, last thing, uh, I doubt if it's related, but all of a sudden my remote start uh, stopped working. Where would I have a mechanic look first, or where, Fa- what could I do? Check Fa- a fuse? Fa- factory remote start? Correct. So it's a GM, so it's a, it's a three-button uh, uh, transmitter, right? Yes. You've got a lock, unlock, and you've got the little circle arrow button at the top. Correct. Okay. So um, General Motors, for example, the first thing I would look for is a bad hood latch. I know it sounds weird. Uh, but wow! Yeah, really? Yeah, the yeah they yeah. Well, think about it. They don't let you use remote start if the hood's open, right? Interesting. They they won't let you use they won't let you use remote start if the hood's open. Of course, I can't imagine why somebody would have the hood open and want to use remote start. Um, you know, there's, there's but, but that's you know if, if it's got a bad if it's got a bad hood latch, the, the remote start won't operate. Um, and typically, you would get a warning, but depending upon how it failed, it's just one of the things I look for. It's a simple thing. It's just a characteristic of the system. So, you know, it would be go in with a scan tool. Does the hood latch show in the closed position? If it doesn't show in the closed position, then why not? And that's going to that's gonna prevent uh, remote start from working. I got you. Um, the next place I would okay. go is, does the BCM, does the body computer show correct input to allow it to allow remote start to work? When you press remote start, does it say, hey, I'm trying to, but nothing happens? You know, just things to go by. Listen, I, I already figured out how to defeat start-stop technology. You know, I'm, I'm talking about start-stop technology the last couple of weeks that when the car pulls up to the traffic light and, you know, it, it shuts off and then you want to restart it. I bet, don't tell anybody, shh. I bet that if we turn the check engine light on, start-stop technology will no longer work in the car. I bet you. I was thinking about it. Wow. Um, because, yeah. be, because right, because it would be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It would weaken the engine's ability to perform, so they probably defeat start-stop. I'm not sure about that, but i got to try it on the first car I get. So, Larry, i got to go. Always enjoy listening to your show. Thank you, sir. Very, very, very happy to be there. Glad to be of help. And uh, you have a good rest of the day. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. I printed out a, welcome back, it's Ron Indian, by the way, the car doctor. I printed out, I went into the database, I, I logged into the shop, I had a chance, I printed out 
the um, description of how that rear video camera works on Larry's uh, Tahoe from Florida that we just had up. Um, it's, it's really interesting because I was curious to see you know, what the operation was. When the vehicle is placed in reverse while the engine is running, the body control module, listen to the technology, and this is just a simple thing. The body control module sends a 12-volt signal to the rear view camera. This signal indicates that the rear vision camera operation is required. Upon receipt of this signal, the camera will begin the power-up cycle. A serial data message is also received by the navigation radio, indicating the vehicle is in reverse. Upon receipt of this message, the navigation radio will also begin a power-up cycle for the display. The rear vision camera transmits the video signal to the navigation radio through discrete positive and negative signal circuits. A metallic foil encases the signal circuits and are tied to a shield ground circuit. This shield is designed to reduce electronic interference which may degrade the video signal and cause a distorted or otherwise degraded image. A simple backup camera. Look at what we're doing here. Um, re remember going to the moon, what, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 1969? Look at that technology. Look how far we've come. We probably can't get back, back to the moon anymore, but um, we sure got neat backup cameras on our vehicles. Let's get on over and uh, let's go talk to George in West Hartford, Connecticut. George, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you so much for taking my call, Ron. My question to you is um, I have an 08 Highlander with 124,000 miles. Okay. I'd like to put a, you know, a, a new spare tire in this car because the spare is pretty worn. And with my luck, it would happen on a Friday night, and then I couldn't get back to my mechanic you know, uh, until Monday if I'm right. flat. Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. My, my thing is this being an all-wheel drive vehicle, when I put a new spare, is it okay that I'm, you know, if I'm putting a different brand and also the tire has different tread, you know, being like, you know, a temporary spare thing for the weekend? And that's my question to you. You know, it's it's a yes and no answer, George. It's there's there's no clear okay. definition. If if I had the option, what I would probably tell mm -hmm. you to do is, you know, how how are the tires that are on the truck now? They have about 21,000 miles on them. Okay. So, you know, that being said, then, yeah, I'd come as close to matching what you could. Or, you know, what I also think about is, and, and obviously, you know, maybe the next maybe the next set of tires, if, if there is the next set of tires and 20,000 miles or whatever it takes to wear these out, maybe you buy five and you buy five together. And, you know, then at least okay. you're set for the next whatever duration or, you know, cycle of the vehicle. But, you, you know, you bring up a good point in that a lot of people don't think about their spare tire. And I've received a few emails about this of late, and I guess I should take the moment to... You know, and thanks for bringing this up, George. I like it's a good conversation to have here on air. That we forget about the spare. The spare is sort of like the Rodney Dangerfield of the car. It's just the part that we give no respect and no thought to until we need it. When, as you say, we get that flat on Friday and we can't get back to our mechanic, what do you do? I think short term, right. I think anything round black that holds air would work for you. All right. The question is, mm -hmm. where will you be when you get that flat? Will you be, you know, you live in West Hartford, right. Connecticut. Will you be in Miami, Florida? Uh, you know, it's will you be able to get back to your mechanic, or will you have to buy a replacement tire down there? And then will they have that tire down in Florida? And yeah, you know, General's a good tire, Goodyear's a good tire, Firestone's a good tire, Michelin's a good tire. But the reality is, all the manufacturers have slightly different casing sizes, and they're all just a little bit different diameter. And they can, it, it, it is known that on all-wheel drive vehicles that different, mixing and matching different tires can affect operation, can shorten component life, can affect a bunch of things. So, you know, if I were you, 
you know, and I'm not a fan of used tires, but, you know, maybe your tire guy's got a whatever model tire you have on there with some wear to it for some reason. He's got an extra one kicking around, and you throw that in the trunk as the spare. Um, you know, and I'm again, okay. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of the used tire concept, but he could surely look at the date code and tell you, hey, George, this tire's two, three years old. We just got it in for Mr. Jones, who didn't, you know, he needed three and he had an extra one or or, or whatever the case might be. Um, that being said, I would buy something of the same brand of what you have on the car, so at least mm-hmm. you know we can try and be as certain we can. The case size is the same, and as close to the tread as we possibly can uh you know and again i like your way of thinking you know it's the tires worn out let's 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 get ready now and let's be sure because as you know as they say winter's coming it's going to be a long winter right and another quick question about tires Um, how how long in your opinion you know let's say you don't hit the mileage whatever you know the warranty is when should you be thinking about changing your tires? You know, what do you see a real-world situation, and how long do they last? You know, I think the industry, and I'm trying to remember the date. Is it six years? It's somewhere between six and eight years, and I forget the number off the top of my head, and I should probably know it. Shame on me. Uh, but it's six to eight mm-hmm. years in terms of, you know, beyond where the point where the tire is considered safe anymore. But, right. you know, that's not my only barometer. Tires, to me, are a very unique individual thing. Everybody, you know, people will come to me and say, hey, if I buy this tire, how many miles will I get out of it? I don't know. What do you do for a living? You know, how often are you going to rotate them? What's the balance? How often are the tire air, how, how often is the tire air pressure checked? There's, there's a half a dozen factors that, that extend or shorten the life of the tire. Then I've had cars with Michelin, which I think is a good tire, dry rot in two years because of environment. And then I've had you know, cars with some of the cheaper no-name, you know, off-the-shelf tires that last, you know, seven years, again, because of environment. It, 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 a lot of it has to do with environment. I, I think when it comes time to pick a tire, I think you've got to also consider the fact that where are you going to be when you need that one replacement and how easy is it going to be to get that one replacement? I always encourage everybody, you have to ask the question, is this a very new model tire that you're selling me, or is it last year's tire or two years ago model tire? That's why it's so cheap. And nobody seems to understand that. You know, if if, if Michelin makes a tire for whatever reason, you know, it's a Model A and it's, it's $150 and three years goes by and they're phasing it out to bring in the Model Bs, now that $150 tire is now $125. People will go, well, I'll save the $25, bucks, i will buy that Model B tire. But is that because, or that Model A tire, is, 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 is that, does that mean that two years later when they suffer a flat, those Model A tires are no longer around because they've been phased out, taken over by the Model Bs, which have a slightly different tread, which don't allow you to mix and match them together? Tires really got to be complicated when we had all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, and traction control, and all the little things that we added to cars over the last 15 years. Tires became a very technical involved conversation it used to be oh you know there was what how many tire choices were there in the 60s was a goodyear firestone michelin dunlap tiger paw mm-hmm. how many how, i don't think there was six or eight tire companies in the 60s that i could think of off the top of my head that were real tire companies per se today you know there, there, there's so many tire companies there's so many choices there's so many different styles of tires summer tires all season winter tires uh, you know, it's it's a very complicated, involved, involved conversation. Look at us; we just spent eight minutes talking about tires, and we only we only scratched the surface. So, 
Um, but, you know, that's the story. That's what I would look for for in your spare. All right? Thank you so much for your opinion, Ron. You're very welcome, nice George. Day. Thank you. You too, sir. You have a great afternoon. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. 855-560-9900. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. Here at 855-560-9900. Don't forget to check out the car doctor's Facebook page as well as cardoctorshow.com. Troy in Maine, 04 GMC. How can I help you today, sir? Hey, Ron. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, You're welcome. Okay. So we've had this problem for a little while now. Basically what happens is is after taking a left turn, we found that the car, it powers down. No alarms, no check engine light comes on. It just loses power completely. And we brought it to the mechanics, and they say, okay, well, we'll change the fuel filter. We'll change the fuel pump. We'll change the oil. We'll we'll do a a scan on it and see if it changes or see if it it does anything. And nobody's been able to fix the issue. So okay. now we're we're kind of sitting on a a vehicle that doesn't run very well, and uh, it could be a reliable vehicle, but that's where we stand with it. Now, when it stalls, Troy, is it as if somebody turned the key off? Is it just and boom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, literally. And like I said, the dash powers down and it just stalls. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not like the fuel's trying to get into it. It just, do the, do the dash lights come on? No. Okay. No. Dash lights go off completely. Okay. When they look at it on a scan tool, and I've got a I've got a place that I want to send you to look at something, but I, I want to just talk about it for yeah. a second. Um, wh- wh- when you when you look at something on a scan tool, and a lot of people forget this, that they'll look and they'll see you know codes no codes. Hey, there's no codes. Okay, it's not a computer related issue. But a scan tool okay. can tell you a lot of stuff. It just you know it's just you got to know where to look. Computers, car computers have learned values. Fuel trim, fuel trim's a great. I can do a lot with fuel trim. Fuel trim will change and vary as the car, you know, gets gets mileage on it. It will it will fluctuate as you operate it, and you know you can shut the car off, or, or I'm sorry, take the car for a ride. You'll see short term fuel trim of eight percent, nine percent. Long term fuel trim of five percent. It'll constantly fluctuate and monitor. And then the next time you go out to take the car, short term fuel trim might be five percent, but long term fuel trim is still five percent because it's a learned value. Okay. After, the, after that car stalls, I think one of the things I would do is I'd took up a scan tool without starting it and just turn the key on and then start it and see where fuel trim is. If I see fuel trim at zero, okay. I know that the PCM lost power, right? It's the same thing as disconnecting the battery, right? Think about it. Oh, okay. Right? Think about it. You want to, and If you want to see an example of it, you want to play around with a scan tool, Take some readings with a scan tool. Some things that change, fuel trim. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe some of the maybe some of the um, um, throttle adaptives as far as for uh, throttle body and, and um, position, and disconnect the battery. Mm-hmm. Be, be prepared. You might have to do a few things. You have to clean the throttle body and you know go through adaptive relearn and stuff. And watch the 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 parameters will set to zero because it's as if the PCM lost power. 
Power comes in the way of many forms on a car. It's power and ground. It could be losing power. It could be losing ground. What I see very common on this generation vehicle is if you look behind, and it's in the worst possible place. It's just forget it. You'll never find it. Take a mirror and look behind the engine. Back in the days when, 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 when God was young and I was a kid and dirt was just invented, when engines had distributors in the back of the block, like a small block Chevy, all right, mm -hmm. there used to be an oil pressure switch back there. And if, if you're familiar with that particular setup, you're looking in the same general area in the back of the block, but what would be the left side of the engine block, or the, I'm sorry, the passenger side of the engine block, you're looking for ground 103, G103, which comes in on the on the on the back area of the block and what happens is that ground starts to fray over time and then you'll get the guy that he makes a left or a right turn usually it is a left turn and it just pulls on the engine enough strain of the harness you know motor mounts have sagged a little bit over time and it starts to just become such a load that that there's usually it's down to one strand of copper on the ground and it can't it can't support the electrical circuit and the PCM that's the main ground for the PCM See ya. <laughs> Shuts the car right off. You. All right. Um, but while you're back there, look at ground 103, which is on the one side of the block, and ground 104, which is the other side of the block. You're going to see two wiring harness grounds back there. One goes to a bell housing bolt. The other one goes to the back of the cylinder head. Take a look at those. Make sure they're good, clean, and tight. Give them a gentle tug. If they break off in your hand, don't feel bad. That was the problem. And then fix it. Okay. All right, sir? And... And how do I, if the ground is bad, do I just replace replace that cable right there, or no? You'll have to you'll have to solder a new eyelet on some kind of an extension harness or, okay. or an extension ground, and uh, um, just clean it up. And the easiest thing to do if you want to see if it's fixed is tap in with a, a jumper wire, go ground right to the negative battery post, take the car for a ride. If the car doesn't do it anymore, you know you're on to something. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. You're Ryan. very welcome, I Troy. That. i got to run. They're up against the clock. You have a good day. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Shut up and start talking. That's right. Ron Annie in the Car Doctor here. Um, we, started this, we started this hour doing, uh, doing um, cameras, talking about cameras on cars, right? We're going to finish this hour talking about cameras on cars in a sense. GM tops Tesla in ranking of automotive driving systems. This comes to us from our in-the-field reporter, Sarah Gildner of um, Gildner of uh, Goitus Capital, GoitusCapital.com. Uh, Consumer Reports tested four of the most popular automated driving systems. The report says Cadillac Super Cruise does the best job of monitoring if drivers are paying attention when they take their hands off the steering wheel. As more automakers develop automated driving systems that allow drivers to take their hands off the wheel for short periods of time, General Motors has the best system. Consumer Reports tested four of the more popular and said Cadillac Super Cruise does the best job. Super Cruise, listen to what this does. Super Cruise has a camera that looks at the driver's eyes and warns them if they look away for too long or fall asleep. And that's a game changer, says Jake Fisher, director of auto testing and consumer reports. So now we've got the car watching the driver and telling the driver, hey, dummy, wake up. Um, you know, and, and, and they're doing it because they actually vibrate the seat. They'll shake the seat at certain times and you know do different things if your head tilts if your neck tilts they've had that for a while but now this is a first they're looking into the eyes and the article then goes on and talks about um, you know some of the advantages that uh, uh, GM has over everybody else Tesla is the second most effective Nissan is third and um, 
Uh, Volvo is the least effective of the four it tested. Well, that's not a surprise. It's Volvo. Um, you know, <clears throat> very odd-looking vehicular object. But uh, look at the technology. It's just it's just clamoring around. Hey, um, I want to do a quick shout-out and say thank you to Jeff Firestone, assistant producer for The Car Doctor, as he helped out a great deal today. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.